0: Welcome to the GSI Briefing Podcast. This is Regina Agea, President of the Garden State Initiative. In previous episodes, we've looked at the broad implications of the state's Energy Master Plan, which outlines our state's goals and direction to reduce carbon emissions. This plan, like many other states, is causing consternation about the pace and cost of the transition to using more renewable power sources which rely on newer and generally more expensive sources of power. In this episode, we will take a look at one of the power sources which this administration is investing heavily with both tax and ratepayers' money, the installation of wind turbines off our New Jersey shores. To discuss this issue, we welcome Dr. Bob Stern, the leader of Save Long Beach Island, a coalition of citizens who are bringing greater scrutiny and demanding more transparency of the state's plan to install wind turbines off the coast of their beach community. Dr. Stern, a resident of Beach Haven on LBI, is an engineer who previously managed the office in the U.S. Department of Energy that oversaw the protection of the environment as it relates to energy programs and projects. Now, here's my conversation with Dr. Bob Stern. Welcome, Bob, to the GSI Briefing Podcast. Thank you. So, can you summarize for us what the state is proposing regarding wind turbines along the shore of Long Beach Island, and where do we stand in implementation?
1: Sure. The project uh, off LBI would consist of uh, 357 uh, wind turbines Uh, These would be much larger wind turbines than what has been used previously in Europe and Asia. Each turbine would stand about 1,000 feet off the sea level. So it's kind of hard to envision all this, but uh, that's that's three football fields high. And there would be 357 of these turbines. They'll be using here uh, what's called a gearbox turbine, which is noisier than some of the more modern direct drive turbines. And that has an impact on marine mammals, which we can talk about later. But basically that's the proposed project. It would start just nine miles offshore uh, and run out to about 20 miles, which would make it, and I'm not exaggerating here, it would make it the uh, closest, tallest, most visible wind project using these newer turbines uh, anywhere in the world, over in Europe, uh, they are citing these kinds of wind farms uh, at least 40 miles offshore. Uh, so this would be, uh, in our view, a uh, rather extreme uh, proposal. But that is what uh, the proposal is. And it would run uh, along the entire coast of LBI. Uh, there has been some confusion there because the company has broken the project up into three parts, a Project 1, 2, and 3. And Projects 1 and 2 start at the southern end of Long Beach Island, uh, but Project 3 would go up to the northern end of LBI. So in total, in total, the project would cover the entire length uh, of Long Beach Island, uh, which is about 18 miles.
0: Let's break this down a little bit. Tell us about the group first, and then we're going to get into some of those issues that you just were outlining.
1: The group is called Save Long Beach Island Incorporated. We now have about uh, 4,000 supporters, members, people who have expressed interest, which has grown very substantially uh, since we started the group. It's basically individuals and businesses, and it's not just uh, people who live on the island, who have a business on the island. It's people who come here. Uh, all our funding is from personal donations or from a business. And we have a board, about five people. Uh, none of us are paid. Our major expenses are uh, litigation. But from the situation that we're faced with, it looks like our only recourse to try to get this project corrected has been uh, to go to court. Uh, so almost all our expenses are, are for, uh, for legal. We are definitely nonpartisan. We have, you know, everybody in our ranks, all political parties, persuasions, and united, I think, in terms of this project, just in terms of the opposition uh, to the location of this particular project.
0: You're not objecting, right, to the establishment of this power source. It's really the understanding of why certain locations were selected and what the impacts are going to be. and But you did mention your lawsuit. So let's kind of get that out of the way because your group has filed a lawsuit in the D.C. Circuit Court. Right. And I understand it's to require the federal agency who's responsible for issuing these leases in federal waters um, to really prepare a more thorough environmental impact study to justify, you know, why they're for the energy, wind energy area. Maybe you can give us a layman's explanation of your suit and where that suit stands.
1: You know, basically, if you just think about this a little bit, uh, the federal government uh, has to make a number of decisions along the way here uh, regarding this project or any project. Uh, But the most important decision, uh, like in real estate, uh, is location, the location of where you're going to place the wind turbines. Uh, They call that the wind energy area. And that has been determined in the past in the New Jersey situation that started about 12 years ago. It was determined by a task force uh, led by the state environmental protection department. And the charge to that task force was very limited. They were told to look only in a certain geographical area. They were told not to look more than 20 miles out. Uh, They did not invite the public to their meetings. The uh, deliberations, whatever they did, was done by state and federal employees and so on and so forth. Uh, Our contention in the lawsuit, basically, is that that uh, violated the National Environmental Policy Act. That's the act that requires environmental impact statements when a federal agency makes a significant environmental decision. And to us, uh, that location, not to be repetitive, but the location of the wind turbines is the most important federal decision to be made. So our basic contention is that that decision should not have been made without the preparation of an environmental impact statement uh, that most importantly would have required the look of alternate locations. When this task force met, they only looked at the location they were charged to look at. They did not look at locations further out. And to us, this is the source of all the difficulties we're having today because that process was not a good one. It resulted in our view in a bad decision siting turbines in a poor place. And now 10 years later, uh, in a way, we're having to deal with the repercussions of that decision. So, so basically what we're saying is uh, these decisions, not just off New Jersey, but anywhere should be done only following the preparation of an environmental impact statement a hard look at alternatives, which is what the law requires in those impact statements, and very importantly, public input to that process. So that's the essence uh, of the lawsuit. Uh, As you mentioned, we did file it in January. Uh, As you might expect, the Interior Department opposed it. Uh, So did a number of wind energy companies. They joined the lawsuit uh, against us. But uh, my understanding is that the judge now has a complete record. She has our complaint, our responses. Uh, She has the responses from the Interior Department. And we're waiting on the court uh, to make a decision as to whether an impact statement should have been done or not.
0: And you've mentioned now a couple of times about other states. So, I think, you know, you're not the only one um, that have kind of called this question about the thoroughness and the review
1: that's done. Am I right? That's correct. And in fact, I believe it was uh, Senator Ron Wyden recently also through a letter to the Interior Department uh, asked basically for the same thing in terms of uh, Interior Department's uh, movements to site wind turbines off of Oregon. So we are seeing more and more uh, sensitivity to the way these uh, projects the location of these projects was selected to begin with. Yes.
0: Let's get into the, the key objections. You mentioned one or two, but why don't you give us the key areas that you're really concerned about?
1: Sure. Our concern uh, started, frankly, with the visible impact. And as I mentioned, these would be the most visible wind turbines in the world. They will be clearly visible Uh, night and day, because at night they will have aviation lights on them. And it goes further than just thinking about a a stationary object out there. From the shore, you would not only see the tower of the wind turbine, but you would see the blades rotating. And in the visual world, uh, this is what people would call a dominant view. In other words, when you look at at these wind turbines, it dominates your eyes and your brain for a number of reasons. First, it's clearly visible. Second, it's moving. Uh, Third, it's not expected. When you look out on the ocean, you expect to see a a clear ocean. Now you see something unexpected. And this really hasn't been looked at. It hasn't been analyzed uh, in terms of what the reaction would be to this, not just the stationary part, but the rotating part, and uh, it's it's very concerning that uh, there really hasn't been any study or survey or uh, or even look. There's no presentation of how this would look in total with the rotating blades. Uh, so beyond that, uh, you also have. Uh, concerns about uh, right whales. The North Atlantic right whale uh, is a critically endangered whale. Uh, This is the whale we basically slaughtered for centuries, and it migrates just off this lease area. And the noise could essentially block that whale's migration. Uh, There are other issues with uh, the Department of Defense, They have uh, what's called an exclusion zone, which goes from about nine to 14 miles out. And that is in this project area. And it's been difficult to get from the defense people what exactly that does, because I expect it's probably classified. But it certainly doesn't sound good to try to place wind turbines in what the Department of Defense calls an exclusion zone.
0: Well, you know, as with all, uh, it seems like, you know, regulatory and, you know, kind of Byzantine government activities. Ten years ago, it probably didn't get any notice, as you say. There was no public input. Nobody really thought about it, probably a whole lot. And as you say, you know, now we're living with the consequences, and it's important. I think that both your organization is not, again, not objecting to the establishment of the power source, but it's really the way in which it was done and the implications getting, you know, fully examined. Right. And, you know, you mentioned where we talked about you're in court, but I know that uh, you've tried to resolve this through other channels. So maybe you could spend a little bit of time here with, you know, what are the other activities? Like, have you approached the administration, the legislators and DEP and what, what, you know, have they been saying to you?
1: Yeah, this um, this is a very important uh, aspect of this. As you mentioned, you know, we have not gone out opposing everything. When we presented all the issues with this, I call it the close-in project, we always started with an alternative and we presented to the federal government, to the state, the alternative of placing the wind turbines In an area called the Hudson South area, which is another area identified by the federal government further offshore Long Beach Island. It starts about 30 miles out and goes out to about 57 miles. So from the very beginning, uh, we proposed and asked why the wind turbines could not be placed out there from the federal government's own studies it looked like a very good place for them and in fact they are now proceeding to lease out there. So it seemed to make perfect sense to us put the wind turbines further out uh, that would not only eliminate the visible impacts on the shore uh, but it would leave room for the right whale to migrate it would help the birds it would get out of the Department of Defense zone seemed to have a lot of advantages. So we always presented this uh, going back uh, a year and a half. And we were kind of surprised that we never got a positive response to that, because it seemed to make all kinds of sense. And recently, we found out uh, the reason for that. And it's and it's kind of astonishing that it appears that The plan is from the federal government and from New York to create a transmission corridor from the Hudson South area, which is off New Jersey, to go all the way up the New Jersey coast to New York, to Long Island, uh, New York. And so it appears that the power from this I call it the good area is not going to come to New Jersey, but it's going to go up the shore to New York and allow New York to meet some of their offshore wind goals and frankly, you know this is as i mentioned this is kind of astonishing to us because i've never i've never seen this before uh, like overseas, if you place a project off of Great Britain. I don't see that power going to France. Uh, I don't see the power from a, a site off of North Carolina going to South Carolina. So this just added a, a whole new dimension of, I'll just call it strangeness to us. And it it makes less and less sense to us that we would allow the power from this desirable area to go to New York, and then the only thing left for New Jersey would be the power from this closer-in area with all of its detrimental effects. So we have recently uh, raised this with the state. Uh, I have yet to formally go back to the federal people and ask them about this, Uh, but we have brought this up uh, to the state, to the Board of Public Utilities, to the governor's office, It's very strange to us that the state does not appear to be opposing this. And in fact, the Board of Public Utilities, I believe, may soon uh, give some approval to this transmission network, which would carry the power to New York. So I just have to scratch my head here as to what's going on. I don't understand it. And we're going to continue to try to press for some answers here this makes a little sense to us, and uh, and we need to try to get it resolved.
0: Bob, it would be astonishing if it were not one more example of how we have been, New Jersey, gets outmaneuvered by, particularly New York, but by other states. And, you know, I could go through a litany of examples, some of them financial, some of them environmental, of, you know, things that We find out late in the process Mm -hmm. and then have to, as you are, object to the inequity of the treatment of the citizens of New Jersey versus the citizens of New York. And it's not a coincidence that the political, you know, positions of power come out of New York. And not in New Jersey in the federal government. Mm-hmm. So I'm so glad I didn't know any of that that you just outlined about the. I knew about the transmission systems, but I didn't quite appreciate the the detail that you just outlined. And I'm so happy to hear that your organization is bringing light to that. And um, you know, it says important as the distance from our shoreline. As the use, as you say, of those outer waters that are federal waters and ought to be equally contemplated for the benefit of all those in um, along the coastline.
1: Absolutely,
0: I think making that plainer and plainer to the public will only add to, I think, the support you know for all the work that you guys are doing.
1: In a way, I'm I'm glad to see we're not alone in the inequity, but it doesn't really make it any better. Right, but you're absolutely right. It's very. Uh, uh, it, it's very hard and it's disconcerting, and we are going to also make this information available to our elected representatives uh in the House and the Senate because it it does seem to me they should be standing up more for new jersey here and and again it's it's not a matter of of, of not having offshore wind power or having it, that's not what we're talking about. We're, we're just talking about, as you put it, the equitable use of the available locations. Right. And so it seems to me, uh, well, not to add to the strangeness, but maybe our elected representatives are not aware of this, but once they are made aware of it, I think they should be stepping up and trying to get what I call the good power to go to New Jersey. Absolutely.
0: Well, I encourage you, not just the federal representatives, but our state legislative representatives as well. Yes. Because, you know, the BPU, as you know, is a, appointed you know through the governor's office and approved by the legislature. And, you know, let's just talk about that for a minute, the Jersey specific. And You know, GSI has been pointing out about our state's energy master plan, you know, as a whole that there's just not been enough discussion about the economic impact of you know, the overall plan, but specifically this installation uh, offshore at LBI. So I think your group has done a little bit of work on the economic impact to tourism and property values, and maybe you can share a little bit of that you know, with our audience as well.
1: Yeah, we did look at some surveys that were done by reputable folks uh, in different places, University of Delaware, North Carolina State University, Uh, They did uh, surveys of people, uh, and they showed them uh, images of visible wind turbines. And then they went through a series of questions and just asked them, uh, would you return, would you rent if you were looking at wind turbines, would you spend a day, and so on and so forth. Uh, Just from looking at those studies, which just looked at a stationary object, Uh, They found about 50% of those who had previously rented at this shore town uh, would not come back to rent if they had to look at visible turbines. Uh, They found that about 19% of people who just toured for a day or two uh, would not return to that shore town if they had to look at visible turbines. Uh, And then there were property value studies also that showed significant losses in the values of which you might expect of ocean front and ocean view properties. That was the only study I found that looked actually at property value, but that has implications for every property on the island. But those studies did not, as I mentioned before, they did not consider a bunch of other factors that would affect the shore-going experience. The rotation of the blades was never considered. And I have to try to think about this a little bit. You go to the shore, the view is dominated by the wind turbines, and they're rotating, and you're looking at this for five hours. What is the effect on a human being? I do not know, and I have not seen anything about that. There are other effects that are going to happen at the shore. Based on numbers we have estimated, you are going to hear these turbines at the shore. From their operation, you're going to hear the noise. And the reason for that is that even though they're nine miles away, noise travels much better over water than it does over land. If you've ever been... At a lake, you can sometimes hear neighbors three miles across the lake talking. So you are not only going to see the turbines, you're going to hear them. It's not going to be loud, but it will be distracting and it could cause sleep problems and so on and so forth. The breezes that we normally get at the shore are going to be less because the turbines are extracting much of the wind energy that we would normally get and there's also other impacts in terms of the temperature and the humidity none of this has been looked at in total so all of these studies that i just mentioned just look at a piece of the total impact on the shore that we believe is going to be caused by this and we have a fear that this is not only going to reduce rentals or look bad, we have a fear that this could actually destroy the shore going experience at Long Beach Island. So it's not just a matter of, you know, maybe 19% fewer people will come. It could be much, much greater than that. And that's part of the the difficulty here. And in a way, uh, we're almost guinea pigs here for this experiment. I don't think they've ever had or have any situation like this uh, around the world. I, I don't know of any other uh, shore going place where there are wind turbines that people have to experience this. So the whole, the whole picture has not been looked at and uh, and it causes great concern here.
0: And you're making the strong case, right, for... You know, this isn't about a small group of people who happen to live on the shore and don't want these off the shore and they're NIMBY, right? Not in my backyard. Tourism and specifically the shore tourism industry for the state of New Jersey is essential to our economic health. And, you know, you get one part Of the shoreline that gets tainted and it becomes really a waterfall effect of undermining one of the you know large revenue sources, right? For the state, it's counterproductive um, if it's not done correctly. And I think that's what your group keeps coming back to. It ought to be done in a way that contemplates, you know, as you say, the view, the impact on the industry, the mammals. Um, As well as the human psyche, you know, you've kind of referenced that a couple of times. So this is not about, you know, uh, trying to protect a group of, you know, homeowners along a shoreline or some businesses that are in one part. This is an important conversation. I think, for the whole state because of the economic impact of it. So, Bob, is there anything else that we didn't talk about? We've talked about the suit and you know, the concerns. It's a, The group is growing in terms of interest. Anything else we haven't talked about that you want to be sure we cover for the audience?
1: I, I would like to, to put in a request for some help, if we could, because given the situation we just described, that we're really getting no no help from the powers that be in terms of a reasonable solution here uh, that our only recourse at this point is to pursue further lawsuits. And we are planning to do that. Uh, So if uh, folks share our concern, uh, I would ask them to go to our website, uh, savelbi.org. There's much more information there. There are PowerPoint briefings and videos they can look at. There are visual renditions of the stationary turbines. They can just sign up for updates or they can donate to support the lawsuits. Uh, and we would appreciate that even more. You know, we're not, we're not happy that we have to file lawsuits here to get a fair hearing. We'd much rather do this in a cooperative way with the state and the federal officials. But at this point, they just don't seem to be listening. Uh, so that's that's where we have to go, and uh, any help that folks can provide would be appreciated.
0: Dr. Bob Stern, thank you very much for sharing new information and helping everyone understand the implications of some of the direction that we're headed with the wind industry in the state of New Jersey. Bob, we'd love to have you back on. uh, Maybe in a couple of months, we can hear more, have an update on the lawsuit as well as other activities and hopefully expand the understanding of all your work. So thank you again for being with us, Bob.
1: Thank you, and I'd be glad to come back and give you more detail. Thanks.
0: The GSI briefing is produced by the Garden State Initiative. For more information about GSI, visit us at GardenStateInitiative.org. And be sure to follow us on social media. Don't forget to subscribe to the GSI Briefing on the podcast platform of your choice. And please leave us a good rating. This is Regina Ajia, and thank you for listening.